Hi, you're listening to What Change Looks Like, a City Year podcast, where we dive into why we do what we do and how we stay inspired and connected to the meaning we bring to our work. I'm your host, Hannah Little, and I proudly serve as a City Year team leader in Providence, Rhode Island. Welcome back to What Change Looks Like. This month, we are talking about what I wish I knew about service. It is recruiting season. It is time for the incoming core to get excited about their new service year. And so I thought it would be great to talk to a few people about why they serve and what really surprised them about service and why they are excited for you to serve next year. So the first person that I got to talk to is Jenny Johnson. She is our executive director here at City Year Providence. She had a lot of really great insight and it was wonderful to get to know her a little bit better. So here's my interview with Jenny Johnson. I am so excited to be finally welcoming our executive director, Jenny Johnson, to the podcast. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Hannah. Jenny has been City Year Providence's executive director for 15 years, and she's also a mom, a wife, a friend, and a commissioner on the State Board of Elections. So... How are you doing? I'm doing well, Hannah. How are you? I'm good. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. (laughs) So I wanted to start with just diving into a little bit of what brought you to City Year, what attracted you to this kind of work, and, um, you know, how how has your journey in City Year, like, sort of shaped you as someone who serves your community? Of course. Um, So I was was raised... um, in a family who was very involved in local public service. And um, my grandfather served on the school committee for 20 years. Um, And my uncles were sort of involved in city council. And so, you know, public service was something I saw at a very young age, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, went through the public school system in Warwick, Rhode Island, um, and then went to community college, state college, where I majored in marketing and psychology. Um, And truthfully, I I wanted to go into marketing and advertising, you know, for profit um, and never quite made it to the for-profit sector. Um, Out of college, um, I interned at the mayor's office here in Providence um, a very long time ago. And then I um, got offered a job to help start up um, the RightShare program, which was um, a part of the state's managed care Medicaid. And from there, I went to a nonprofit called the March of Dimes. Um, And when I was there, there was a board member at City Air that was supportive of the March of Dimes. And she approached me and said, you know, there's this there's this opportunity at City Air. I think you'd love it. It's, you know, it's a really amazing organization. And so um, there, you know, I landed here at City Air. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been quite a journey over 15 years. It's, it's you know, I joke when I, when I started, I was 30 years old. Um, and I wasn't old enough to be the mom of an 18 to 25 year old, um, an AmeriCorps member. And now I am. So it's very interesting to have seen, you know, the transition over generations of young people serving and how they have changed um, based on, you know, when they came in to the to the world. And so um, I'll stop there for a second because I, I didn't know if there was an add on to that question or just what brought me here. No, it can be just what I added. Okay. I added ad lib. Um, you know, how has that 
has your time here shaped your person, oh. your ability, your, your like you as a person serving, yeah. but you, I'm you kind to, of covered that too. Yeah. If I'm you have me to say more, if yeah. you want, <laughs> go for it. It is whatever no, you want. I think, and you know me, Hannah, I'm really honest, but I think given the state of the world today mm-hmm. and the sort of re-reckoning of racial injustice of, you know, just overall injustice against people who are different, whether it be their gender identity, think about what's going on in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and coming into City Year, to, you know, I was raised in Warwick, Rhode Island. Warwick is homogeneously white, um, went to public schools, and there were not, I did not have a lot of classmates of color because there weren't a lot of residents who were people of color. And mm-hmm. so one thing that has really shaped me when I came to City Year you know, I was, I was opened up to people who did not look like me, um, who were different races, different, you know, socioeconomic background. And, you know, I began to learn from their own, you know, from their experiences and how it differed. And that was what really opened my eyes to the differences of living in a homogeneously white community, and then being a part of this not only within City Year, but within the Providence community, this beautifully diverse community of people Mm -hmm. and learning from their own, you know, from them about their own experience and the injustices that they suffer every single day Mm -hmm. really is what started me on a journey to really recognize what privilege I bring and how I wanted to lead this organization as a white woman. And then once I had kids, like how I wanted to raise my kids in the same community and how their experience would differ. I would say, you know, City Year shaped me as an individual in ways that I have really wanted to continue to work to, you know, be an ally, not in the word, but in the action and has led me to now be doing some work in Warwick in my community, because I believe that's where a lot of the work is going to get done. We Mm. talk a lot about urban schools and how are we educating, you know, children of color. We don't talk as much about how are we educating kids in in white, homogeneously white schools about what their role is in the social justice movement. And so that was long-winded, but just wanted to touch on that because it is something I'm really grateful for and thankful for and feel a really intense responsibility to be a part of the solutions and the changes and not a part of the problem. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up because I think something that I would love to touch on if you're, if you're comfortable talking about it is, you know, knowing that this episode is ultimately for, you know, incoming core members or maybe people coming for a second year. So much of our core population is white coming from mostly homogeneously white communities, just like you coming into this, um, you know, this community dominated by people of color. And there is a danger of our work sort of perpetuating white saviorism. So I'm wondering if you have anything like some lessons to learn, because that's also something I had to reckon with coming into my first year of service. City Year did a great job, I think, of like calling that out and having me reflect on my own attitudes but it's not something that I would have learned otherwise. So yeah. wondering if you have anything to say. Yes, I do. Um, I'll say, I'll say a couple things. I'll say first, um, I think for many, many years, I've been sort of banging my fist on the tables around the fact that our structure 
as an organization being a part of being under the umbrella of uh, AmeriCorps and mm-hmm. the sort of model of the stipend and the Ed Award and the stipend is not livable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, I think, why we see many young people of privilege, you know, of white privilege or of economic privilege being able to serve because they have some sort of supplemental, you know, support mm-hmm. at home. And I think about, you know, I, I think about young people who are part of the Providence community, who, who are part of communities who are not as economically advantaged as others, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming in, going through high school or college. And, and frankly, why would they, even if they wanted to serve and met and they do want to serve, having another job offered to them that pays more and they should take that. And so yeah. I think we are finally as an organization um, and as a federal, you know, institution being that being AmeriCorps coming to to recognize that fact. Mm-hmm. And so this year, you know, happy to say it's still not enough, but we are increasing the stipend to be, you know, between 20 and 20 something thousand. So that, you know, will get us up a little bit more, Mm -hmm. you know, allocating our resources in different ways to Mm -hmm. be able to support young people, um, introducing sort of that educator pathways program where young people can get credits towards uh, teaching and, and things like that. And so I think some of it, you know, we can start moving along the path and change, you know, and change the demographics of our core. I will say in, in parallel to that is that, you know, you reference both you as a white woman, me as a white woman, I think, you know, when you look at the teacher workforce overall, and particularly in Providence, it is dominantly white and dominantly white women. And Mm -hmm. I think where we are, you know, we focus very heavily on the how, you know, it's like, we know why we do what we do. We know what we do because there's, you know, a sort of a structure around it, but how we do it. So, you know, that's why we do that work in the beginning, what, you know, you call mirror work is how do you recognize your privilege? How are you preparing yourself to go into a school where you're working with kids whose identity and privilege, they, they don't share that necessarily. And I think where we can be distinguished is, you know, you as a white woman are going in understanding that you are not there to save kids. You are there to be their partner. Like we always talk about partnering with teachers and adults. I see it as a partnership between you and the students. And I think you have as much to learn from them as they have learned from you. So it's a combination, I think, of being by their side, helping them, helping them reinforce their, you know, their confidence in themselves, their potential, having their back when, when it needs. I mean, we've had a lot uh, over most recent years of core members stand up to other adults who are not speaking to or treating kids or honoring their identity like they should. And so I'll stop there if you want to follow up, but that's just a little bit about what I think about and sort of wrestle with what I see as the challenges and what I see as some of the opportunities to change that. Yeah. I think that's a great way to segue into my next question, which is, you know, why do you serve? And I think you, you know, it just from the context of the conversation we're having, it probably has changed throughout the years. Um, and mine has changed too. And I, um, I was invited to speak at the fundraising gala that city year holds. And my speech is all about that, about how I 
shifted my mindset from, you know, I'm here to be the the helper, the fixer, the mom friend, that kind of person. Um, and more of like, how can I be a partner to the students? How can I serve them and let them lead me to how I can best support them rather than deciding what I think is best for them? I I think it, 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 there's details of it that mean different things, but my, why I serve has remained a pretty has remained constant and it you know is basically what i recognize about this work is at its simplest and at its most beautiful i think is our work is about relationships Mm -hmm. at every level um and i serve because it's that is at the heart of what we do that human interaction human connection finding ways to connect to other humans so that you can support each other through challenges and within a school system that is not set up to address the needs and the opportunities that our students need. I mean, I always say it's not like it, this is an opportunity gap. I mean, Mm -hmm. this school systems across the country and right here in Rhode Island, our state is segregated. So if you look at each community and the demographics and the school districts, you know, that struggle the most, it's we're not giving our students equal opportunity. And so, you know, I serve because I think there is, you know, I'm not, I don't have an education background. So you Mm -hmm. couldn't, I could not have developed, you know, the tutoring curriculum or anything like that, which I think is important. But what I can connect to is the power of those connections and and relationships Mm -hmm. to push, you know, to push things forward, to start to, look at what happens within our school buildings in a different way, in a better way of just saying like one of our board member, former board members who was an educator used to say, you know, kids don't care what you know until they know that you care. Mm. And so taking that first step to level that, say, I respect you. I see you. And building that trust, kids should have the opportunity to to trust. It is our responsibility to get our students to a place where they authentically trust us. And I think that's a step that's often missed with that. And so I serve because, you know, I think there is nothing more important than the relationships between our core members and students. And again, I always go back to relationships and like learning and human connection, learning about others, whether it's for a year with a core member or, you know, lifelong friends I've met at City or family, like that is what fills me. That is what, you know, where I get my energy from is those, you know, relationships of bringing and bringing people together. And I mean, 15 years, probably, 600 something young people have come through and done city year. And, you know, I remember most of the, you know, most of them, if not every single one and, you know, watching their journeys after. So I feel really, um, I feel really fortunate to be in this role um, for, for large in part that, that reason. And I, I, I also recognize that sometimes my view is, is very can be more simple because mm-hmm. I'm sort of zoomed out. But mm-hmm. I really, at the end of the day, think, um, you know, if we focus on on those relationships, I think that you know that that will that will move us forward. Yeah. So, with all that being said, I'm wondering: is there anything 
you would like the incoming core to know or anyone who maybe is on the fence about serving with Sidir, you know, anything that you think they should know about service and, you know, things that might get them more excited or feel more prepared. Yeah. I think what people don't realize or some adults don't realize that the core members always realize when they come in is our students are truly amazing, like amazing, you know, and seeing being here for 15 years, City of Providence being here for almost 30, seeing more and more young people come back and apply to City Year to say, I want to serve because I had a relationship with a core member in my school and I want to, you know, give that back. And so what I would say to incoming core members are our kids are amazing. Um, one of the, I remember many quotes from former AmeriCorps members, but one of them um when she was asked, you know, what surprised you most about your year of service? She, you know, she said, what surprised me most is I didn't know how much I could love other people's children. Mm. And at the end of the day, our work is about love. Like the work that you all do comes from your heart. Yes, we hope that while you're here, we can give you the opportunities to take the next steps in your career, take the next steps to grow as a human, Um, and to do that. But at the end of the day, you're doing it, you know, because you have love in your heart, you have care, you have, you're driven, you know, by passion to make this world, to make this country, to make this city and state a better place. And so, you know, I would say to AmeriCorps members that are, that are incoming, you know, you know, lead with, lead with love and be prepared to just, um, to be excited about the work, but, but recognizes, you know, let it, let it change you in ways that you didn't think possible from working with a team of people you've never met before that you'll probably, again, I've seen core members get married after a <laughs> year life, like those lifelong friends. I still mm-hmm. see people through social media, keeping in touch and getting together. I mean, it's, beyond any experience you could have in college or anywhere, because you're really coming together around um, a challenge, but an opportunity that is unlike any other. And, you know, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to see sweeping change right away, but let it be enough that however many students you're working directly with, you change them in a way that will stick with them forever. And they changed you in a way that will stick with you forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, again, like putting aside all the technical aspects of our work, the data, all of which is important, and just focus on that human connection, I think you'll, you'll be better for it. I see it in the schools every day. I see the love that our core members have for our students. Um, and that's real. And that is something to be excited about. I've been visiting schools finally after COVID. And that is, those are, those visits are the best parts of my days, just watching those interactions. So yeah, get excited, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say that's like it, as someone who doesn't serve in a classroom this year, because I'm a team leader, that's also like the best part of my day is when the students come in during lunch or we see them in the hallways mm-hmm. and you can just see the relationships that have been built. And I get to build some relationships and just knowing that there are students who are really like, sometimes the core member is the only person they trust in the school. That relationship is so important. Yep. Um, and it, it it makes the long hours and the 
data and like the stuff that we don't necessarily want to do it makes it worth it in the end because it is all about the students yeah I agree I agree with that and you know I I will say at the end of the day when I'm sitting there and some in the schools and someone will the students will look at me like hey you know who are you lady um and someone will say whether an impact manager or a team leader this is the boss's boss this is the big boss and no like i think you know the most important um people in our work are you know the americorps members our impact managers who are there at the school every year you know all year um, and at the end of the day, you know, I just connect the pieces. My job, I feel like, I truly feel like my job is to make sure the work can continue and then get out of the way mm-hmm. and let you all, um, let you lead. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. This was thank really you, amazing. It's so great to yeah. hear your experience and, and learn about, you know, how this organization has changed you as well. Um, is there anything you want to add before we wrap up? No, I would just say, you know, there's a lot of change on the horizon. This is a time um, where I think city year, I think Providence schools, I think, you know, we're at a tipping point. Um, and I believe that, you know, we are, there's change and change is hard, but I think there's brighter days on the horizon. And I think, you know, hope is a risk we must run. And I hope, you know, I am hopeful that mm. we're going to have some better days ahead of us in this community. Thank you so much. Thank you, Hannah. The next person I got to talk to is Christina Coyne. She is a member of my team at Roger Williams Middle School, and she is returning for a second year, so I am very excited for you to hear what she has to say. Christine O'Coin is a first-year AmeriCorps member serving in a 7th grade math classroom. She joined the Corps in Providence with the mid-year cohort. She is also a future teacher and bird enthusiast. Welcome, Christine. Hello. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Christine is another one of my team members at Roger Williams Middle School. And first, I just would love to hear the story of how you came to City Year. Yeah, so I started in City Year back in December of 2021. I came in as a mid-year Um, my reasoning for wanting to do city year was because I have always thought I wanted to be a teacher, but I wanted to gain some experience working in a classroom before I kind of committed to the teaching and I love working with kids and I really love, uh, the middle school age. So I was really happy to be with middle school. Awesome. So I'm this episode is mostly focused on sort of like what you learned when you started service, like what you didn't know before. So I'm curious, like, was there anything when you started with City Year that surprised you? Um, so what I really wish I knew before service was really just how awesome our students are. Um, when I first told all of my friends and family that I wanted to work in a middle school or that I was placed in a middle school, they all looked at me like I was crazy. Um, They couldn't understand why I wanted to work with middle school because they said it was such a tough age. Um, But I really wish I could go back and tell myself not to be scared because they're really awesome. And I'm so grateful that I get to work with the students I do because they're really rad. Yeah, the students are really amazing. And I'm curious if you can share with us just like a little tidbit about what your relationships with the students have been like. Like how has it been to build those relationships this year? It's been really incredible. I think it was really challenging at first when I came in halfway through the year because I came into such established classrooms and the students had already been in class for a while. So it took a little while to get to to know them and to kind of build that rapport with them. But 
Um, in particular, um, I have a really great group of students in my period three class that I just am so grateful that I get to see their progress and I feel like they're just making strides every day. Um, one of my favorite things is when we go to arrival in the morning, I always get a greeting. Um, usually I can hear my name being called across the room. So that's always a really great way to start the day. That's so wonderful. And if you're listening to this and you're part of the incoming core in City or Providence, I just want you to know that Christine is returning for a second year as part of the uh, like Teacher Pathways Fellowship that we have. So that's exciting and you might get to meet her. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for that. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Christine. Thanks, Hannah. And finally, I talked to Drew Chittick, who is a core member at one of our elementary schools here in Providence. And Drew had a lot of really great insight as well. It was really awesome to get to know them better and hear what they wanted core members to know coming into next year. Drew Chittick is a first-year AmeriCorps member serving in a fifth-grade classroom. They are also a writer, partner, and roommate. Drew, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Oh, they're also a newly instated um, editor for the podcast. Yeah, I'm editing this episode, actually. So exciting. Yeah. Are you ready to hear your voice? Um, no, <laughs> but I am ready to edit out everyone else's interview. So. Oh, good, good. Give yourself the spotlight. Absolutely. That's what we're here for. Um, so I wanted to just kind of start by getting to know you a little bit better and like what brought you to city year. So like, how did you decide to serve and well, yeah, that's pretty much it. How did you decide to serve? Yeah. Um, I honestly just kind of always assumed I would. My dad and my sister both did Peace Corps right out of college and I had always planned on doing Peace Corps. Um, and then in my junior year of college, I got a girlfriend and we've been dating for almost three years now. And I was like, I don't really feel like leaving the country for two years. Mm. So uh, instead, I just changed regions, and I um, I actually meant to sign up for something else and then just got the name mixed around and wound up in City Year. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of a fun coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that sort of leads right into, like, what we're talking about, too, is, like, you know, we're talking about service in general, but especially service at City Year. Um, so especially given the fact that you didn't necessarily mean to apply to this program, what was surprising to you when you started to serve? Um. I did not think that I was going to know how to make relationships with children. Mm. I'm the youngest in my family, like full stop, uh, cousins and everything. And I have never interacted with someone more than like four years younger than me for any length of time. So I was really worried about it. But I don't know. It was easier than I thought. I Children are people, which no one ever <laughs> told me. They're just like small people and they're just as different from each other as they are from a given adult. And there's no trick that you have to know to work with them um, mm -hmm. other than what you already know how to do with people. And if you don't really know how to work with people, neither do children. So you're kind <laughs> of in a good spot. That's really fair. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> Is there anything else that you just kind of were, um, that you discovered after you started serving in a classroom or anything that you wish you had known before you started serving? Um, the thing I wish I had known more than anything is about like training and the learning and development days mm -hmm. and that Sincerely, almost everything that you hear in basic training or in a learning day is something that will make your time with your students better if you implement it. Mm. Um, but also you are told way more things than you could ever possibly implement. And yeah. your teachers probably don't do everything that you're told to, and they are hopefully still successfully managing a classroom. Um, 
So, you know, it's, it's worth trying, but if you end up not doing something and it seems like your system is working out anyway, um, then go with your system. Don't worry about what you thought you were supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of like the, it felt overwhelming and you kind of wish that you knew it, you didn't have to be perfect in everything that we were trained to do. Is there anything else that you had prepared you want to share? What partner teacher you are matched up with has a massive impact mm -hmm. on your year, what it's going to mean for you to serve, and honestly, the quality of your service. Um, I truly believe any city year can make it with pretty much any partner teacher, but if you have one that you're not a good fit for, then, you know, there are still things you can do. Like, there are still supports you have in city year. There are still people you can talk to, and honestly, you can always ask them, like, most partner teachers sincerely want their classroom to run well, even if you and them don't get along and they will figure out a way for you guys to help each other. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think that extends also to the team that you're put on. I think everyone's experience, it is what you make of it. And it's also shaped by the environment, the people you're around. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a really great point because, you know, it, as much as you don't have control over the other people that you're with, you do have control over how you contribute to those relationships and knowing that those can make or break your year. I think is also really important to keep in mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you again to Christine O'Coin, Jenny Johnson, and Drew Chittick for sitting with me and sharing their insight on our podcast. This podcast is produced and edited by me, Hannah Little, and Drew Chittick. You can follow City Year Providence at City Year PVD on Instagram and Twitter, or learn more about our work at cityyear.org.